Hey everybody, welcome to Street Fight Radio. Glad you're here. We're not on the live stream this time. We've got a very special episode today. For those of you that don't know who we are, we are the number one anarcho-comedy radio show on any station across the nation. I'm Brett Payne. My co-host is always Brian Quimby. Say what's up. Hey. And today we have a very special guest, Patton Oswald. Hi, this is the sound of my... Oh, I'm sorry, that's the Dana Gould Hour. Um, <laughs> hi, I'm Patton Oswald. What's up, man? How are you? Guys, I'm good. Good to be in uh, Good to be in Columbus, Ohio. How is the Midwest treating you? I love the Midwest. I love the eeriness of the kind of wide open spaces out here. And I'm actually kind of... Um, I'm always puzzled when I come to the Midwest and, and kind of the, the plain states where, you know, a lot of the weird fiction that came out of Providence, Rhode Island and, and Bangor, Maine with, with Lovecraft and Stephen King. Were the, were, was there a Midwestern weird tradition, kind of the, the terror of the open spaces and the, the wide highways and stuff like that? I mean, I know that we got Springsteen's Nebraska album out of, out of some of the darkness, but there, there's a, weird, a real eeriness, especially in Ohio. Yeah, closest one to me is the movie Gummo. I don't know if you oh, saw okay. that. Yeah, I, well, I saw, I saw a double feature of Gummo and Julian Donkey Boy oh, at the New Beverly, and I saw Julian Donkey Boy first, and I think I got 20 minutes into Gummo and went, enough! Yeah. I, gotta, I should have spaced this out. Can't yeah. do these both. So yeah. I, I, I never the, went back to Gummo. I think the thing about me and, like, me and Brett both grew up like not in the city, we grew up like in the suburbs. Oh, okay. So like the only so I. the the weirdest thing about like the weirdest thing I ever did in the country was like me and my friends used to go to this weird graveyard that was in the middle of nowhere and huff gasoline <laughs> and chase each other in the corn in the woods. We did that too. There was a cornfield <laughs> in my suburb that used to abut a cornfield. Now it's all developed, and at the back of this cornfield there were these woods, and in the woods there was this tiny kind of ruined confederate cemetery so you would go through the corn stalks into this wood and then there'd be this cemetery that's what's yeah. weird that like it it stinks because the plate the woods we grew up hanging out in are mm-hmm. completely gone too it's all, yeah it's all gone and i wonder if any kids are going out like i guess because my daughter is 14 mm-hmm. and uh she doesn't do anything that i did at all mm-hmm. like i don't identify it all with her childhood. Yeah, period. Well, also, I, had, I had a potato gun at her age already. Yeah. Really? <laughs> but we just, we openly would, we would buy bottle rockets and we would make bottle rocket guns, which is just like you tape a, a, like a, a fake, um, you know, stock to a, a an empty bottle and put bottle rockets in. And we would just shoot each other with bottle rockets in the cornfield. Like, eyes could have been blown out of skulls and that's just what you did. And, and, and you were a shitty parent if when your kids came home from school, they stayed in and watched TV, a good parent was go outside, come back at six when dinner is ready. Right. That was a good parent. <laughs> it was. I mean, my parents, I have four brothers and sisters. So oh, okay. Like, they were just like, get get out how, of here. How were you, please. the oldest or the youngest? I was, I'm exactly in the middle. Well, see, at that point, they're like, yeah, we don't care. They, they, they worry about the first one. By the time you came along, they're just like he's he's fine. They, it was it was real weird. Like the first three of us didn't graduate high school when we were supposed to. Like <laughs> really? my sister, my brother, both didn't graduate at all. They got expelled, both of them. And then I, I didn't just didn't pass the last year. So right. like when I talked to my kid, she asked me what I was doing when I was her age, 
like I told her, she was asking me, you know, what was like a regular day like when, when you were my age? And I said, well, I used to like hang out at a pool hall and smoke cigarettes all right, day. Right, right, yeah. At 14, like that was my whole life because nobody, nobody was like telling me that I had to do anything. I never right. had, like, kid, it seems like now, uh, at least in the city, I, I'm sure there are bad kids. I mean, I go to Wendy's and see kids like stoned and giggling and acting yeah. like fucking idiots. But I think it's like uh, parents are cooler now, I guess, in a way. Because Maybe I more. know that I like, I know that like, I've never disciplined in any real way my kid and by the time I was 14 I'd been grounded a thousand times and, and you remember it not taking so you're like well what's the point of doing this yeah. it's not gonna work yeah yeah yeah. I mean I, I think again maybe we're, we're, we're all seeing a very limited section of what's going on in America I'm sure in a lot of these devastated industrial towns where you know uh, prescription drugs are, are wiping out families God knows what the kids are maybe growing up like you know, feral wolf yeah. children, but um, yeah, that's a lot of our friends. Yeah, for the most part, it, it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot more. At least in my circle of parents, friends who are parents, there's a lot of awareness of how we were raised and what worked and what didn't. So, oh, the, there's no reason to do it. And, and there's also a very good awareness of how to explain shit to kids in terms of. I know this sucks, and this sucked <laughs> when I first had to do it, but here's why it's beneficial. Yeah. Rather than us being raised, like, just do it, and it'll be fine. You know, like, we're more into, like, explaining, well, here's why. Yeah, just, I mean, and it's like, it, it's so, it's easy to just start screaming and yelling, but it doesn't get anything yeah. done. If you take the time, that's a bigger punishment than screaming and yelling. When, you're, when your parents sit down and want to talk oh, to you, it's like, my that's, a, that's a punishment. How old is your daughter? <laughs> She's 14, and when I was, when she was... Five, six, seven, eight, in between those, still to this day, it's mm -hmm. like when she does something, when she did something bad, she doesn't do anything bad now. Right. I don't, I have a very loose interpretation of what bad <laughs> is. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't really, I don't, I don't like have, like, I probably have the longest leash in the world on, right. on my kid, but like the thing was, it was like, if you do something bad, you got to go sit in your room until you're ready to have a conversation with me. And she would right. like freak out about a conversation because I wanted to explain to her why things were bad. I wanted to tell her like, you know, when you're mean to somebody, that means you're an asshole and you're not going to have any friends. You right, know? Yeah. Or, like you're, I, or you, what we try to explain to Alice is if you're mean, cause she's just, she, my daughter's 10. Mm. just now butting up a couple against a couple of mean girls. Yeah. Because up through like second grade, everyone's just kind of the same. Mm -hmm. And then in third grade is when it starts to faction into who are the kugels, who, mm -hmm. who are the mean girls. And I'm just like, what I told her was, if you're mean, it, it doesn't mean that you won't have friends. You'll just have really shitty friends. Yes. And when you're older, you still won't be friends with them. But if you're a nice person, maybe you won't seem like you're with the coolest people right now, but trust me later on, those are the people you'll want to be friends with. Mm -hmm. And the mean people will, you're just going to want to avoid them when you're older. And you're going to go, oh my God, I wasted all. Because I wasted a couple years in high school trying to get in with the mean kids and the bullies because I was terrified. I'm like, fuck, I missed out on all these years of mm -hmm. like being with the freaks, which would have been way more beneficial to me. You know? Right. I was the same way. I mean, I was like a mean kid and a bully. And then when I graduated high school, the only people I hung, I was like really into like corn and stuff like that. 
yeah. Well, I started hanging out with the people that were into the things that I was into, and that's when I started kind of, uh, I don't know, like trying to write songs and trying to yeah. write poetry, which then led to. Oh, I'm not a very talented songwriter, but I think I'm funny but and got me here. If you try to make things and you actually enjoy that you're making stuff, that will draw the people to you that you need to be hanging out with. But if you're just trying to acquire things and relationships, those are the two areas of focus that will always, always fuck you up. And I I was worse than a bully. A bully would have, would have been bad enough. I was worse. I was the bully's little friend <laughs> for a couple of years. I'm like, I'll get in with the bully. Yeah. And it's weird how I'll see, if you look at the biographies of a lot of these people, like, I mean, I'm obsessed with Carl Rowe because he was a guy that was raised, he was raised in some pretty shitty circumstances. Like, there is some, I have a lot of empathy for how he was raised and what he went through as a kid, but he decided... I am going to be with the, I'm going to protect myself yep. and I'm going to be with the bullies forever. And it just, and it, and it permanently spun him into evil and yeah. he never got out of it. And it rocks you, know you I mean? like dark magic. <laughs> it really does rot you. And I, w I went on that path for a couple of years out of terror. And then I'm very fortunate that through a, through some, through some things that were in me, but also some guidance I got from some very cool adults and some very cool friends that I met, I went the other fucking way. Yeah. But, but there, you know, there is, I, so I see where that impulse comes from, but, and maybe that's why I get so enraged when I see it in people that are in their 40s, and I'm like, you should fucking know better yeah. at this point. Well, How well, the fuck did you not wake up to this? I mean, sort of the story of, of even Street Fight and, and some of the early stuff was that me and him did a show together with two other guys at a period. That, and, like, it was, I was trying was to Was it a podcast or a It was a show? podcast. Okay. And I was trying to, like, be edgy. I like came up on Opie and Anthony and Howard Stern. Like that was the stuff that I oh, loved yeah. and I wanted to do that. I, I was into Stern in the, back in DC in the early eighties when yeah. he was on um, WWDC 101. Wow. I read his yeah. books. What was that like? <laughs> it was uh, a lot of, um, um, 50 ways to rank your mother, uh, <laughs> um, stuff, uh, that John and Yoko songs oh, and, um, God. Vietnam stories. Oh, and then, God. but then I went from in, then he got fired. And then I got into to the grease man. Oh, drug yeah. track the grease man, which was we all know how he ended up. So yeah, I mean, I came out of that '80s kind of, and and part of it was again, I was trying to be the bully's little friend, and it was that thing of I'm I'm terrified of not looking cool, so I will attack other people, and I'll be I'll criticize everything, and you know, and keep myself safe. And it took a long time before. I kind of, also, not to defend myself because I should have known better, but also, there just weren't other fucking options no. like there are today. There was, it was whatever was on the radio and whatever was on the three TV channels, and I'm in the suburbs of fucking Virginia. Yeah. I don't have access to John Waters films, to, you know, Army Man magazine, to other, you know, venues. It wasn't until college and I started watching like really, really early David Letterman that I was like, oh. This is a little in SCTV and stuff. Like that. Well, I mean, the thing, I mean, like you, the comedians, the comedy stuff was like pretty important to me. And like, uh, yeah, I feel like, like, so I was like really into this like edgy thing where it was like, oh, it's cool to be mean if everybody knows you're not really mean. And, and we're doing this podcast together and I'm talking about something that happened to me in high school mm -hmm. and I had just met Brett like three or four months before this. And yeah. I was like, you guys know how I'm like a really nice guy. And Brett was like, you're not like nice at all. You're not, <laughs> you're not nice to anybody. And it like, 
it shocked me <clears throat> in this weird way where then I started to think like, shit, you know, none of the people I grew up with hang out with me anymore. My wife is pretty miserable right now. And like, the only thing I real the thing that I do all the time is like, I try to cut people down when they're in front of me, but try to do it in like Opie and Anthony way, you know, or tough crowd. Right, like we're right. just busting each other's balls, but it's like, it's not fun for the person that's getting their yeah. ball bu- balls Well, busted. I mean, again, it's fine <laughs> if it's all equals busting yeah. each other's balls, but when you start projecting it out, or when you specifically bring people into your circle just for the purpose of yes. busting their balls, that gets kind of evil after a while. Yeah, and I did you know? that and a it, lot. Yeah, and, and that gets – and also it just gets kind of sad. Yeah. Because if your whole comedy is based on excluding people, eventually you will exclude everyone. It will be you and your little group. And then you'll have nothing to do but turn on each other. Yeah. And then it all falls apart. And I saw that – I saw that in you know with with Opie and Anthony, yeah. which was a bummer because there was some. I had so I had a lot of fun on on those shows a yeah. lot. They were, but funny. then I also saw that sometimes in um, there were certain very quote unquote progressive comedy cliques in the mid nineties in L A. that their thing was about excluding people until they had excluded everyone except the core group, and then the core group turned on each other, and then they didn't hang out anymore. Yeah, yeah. It always goes that way. It happened with Warhol's factory. It happened with, the, like, it always fucking goes that way. Yeah, I, that was a big one for me, like, because we had been doing the podcast for, like, five or six years, mm-hmm. and we had Chapo Trap House guys on our show, mm-hmm. and then they go on to get, like, tons of fucking fame and attention and all this stuff, yeah. and I was like, my move right now is I can try to tear them down and make like a point on why they're bad and I'm better or they stole everything from me or like be petty about it. And like, and what is that going to leave? What does that leave me? You know, exactly. in the end, it's like I lose I write enough autobiographies at this point to know that that shit is, right. blows up. But also but you like, look, go ahead. Sorry. And, and, but like the working with people, lifting other people up it building the scene and being around people is what gets us all together. Yes. It's not, a that's com- what, it's not, it's not a competition at all. Like, and that's what I see with the, I mean, what would like, the model that I see for what we do and what the other people around us do is like kind of like what happened with Mr. Show and stuff yes. like that. Whereas it's just like this huge group of people that are doing something that is kind of the same, but everybody's different. And and I saw that in Mr. Show and that there was a real, there was a delight in launching people. Like, And I kind of tried to bring that to Comedians of Comedy. I was very, very frustrated as a, as a comedian myself but then also as a fan of comedy to see Maria Bamford doing these fucking shitty comedy clubs where people would literally stand up and go I don't know what's going on right now oh, and I don't yeah. get this and then Zach being used horribly in these dumb comedies that he was so much funnier than I'm like let's get a better showcase for these guys and then when those guys blew up I was I felt like that was my bragging rights. Yeah. Like, look at what I fucking did. Like, I yes, you know. Yeah. And again, by the way, they would have blown up without me. Of course. But it was like it felt really good to like you keep things. I want. I don't want to get success and then shut the door behind me and nail it shut and go just me. Yeah. Like I want to do it so that other people like me will fucking get. Yeah. Through. And that's what we we. I mean, you know? so uh, the Chapo guys did a bunch of live shows with us over. The past few years, they uh-huh. got us in front of bigger audience that they Good. got us a bigger audience. And then, so we're, we are taking people out on the road this summer because we want to build their thing. And are they like podcasters or their yeah, voices? they're just yeah. guys that oh, are good. just people in our circle that sort of do the same thing but are kind of different. And I just, I want there to be... I want there to be like a circuit for something like this that's right. not... Because comedy clubs... 
are a nightmare, like a nightmare scenario for, I don't even like doing comedy clubs because they have a person come out and tell the rules before your show. (laughs) It it depends on the club, but yeah, there is still this, uh, and now again, uh, you know, this is, this is a much bigger thing that's going on, but you know, the president kind of sets the mood for the country. I've always believed that the president and his personality sets. So if you look at like it, it, and it affects the culture. So if you look at, like, Nixon, everything was about paranoia and darkness. Music, movies, TV show was about riffs and anger. And then during Jimmy Carter, it was suddenly this fun, good old boy kind of, you know, but 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 kind of going also coming to a reckoning with America's failures and darknesses. Mm-hmm. And then Reagan was like, no, fuck that. We, we are awesome and we can yeah. do no wrong. And it's suddenly Rambo and patriotic and, you know, one man can win Vietnam, of course. And then... Clinton gets in, and it's all kind of post-ironic. Who? Come on, who cares? We're all doing okay, <laughs> right. everyone. And it's all kind of meta, 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 post And then um, George W. Bush gets in, and it's all about torture and vengeance. The Saw films, the hostile films, <laughs> 24. Obama gets in, superheroes. People coming out of the sky with powers here to fix everything. <laughs> you don't need to do shit. And now we've got Trump. And Trump is about there is no abstract thought. There is no ironic distance to anything. Whatever it is, it is, it's, it's Amelia Bedelia. Whatever you say, that is what it is. So <laughs> yeah. all of the, a lot of the ironic racism and ironic homophobia that people like David Cross and Sarah Silverman and Ricky Gervais used to point out how that was bad is now being co-opted by the fucking... I was talking about it on stage last, last night. Twitter literally started as a fun, like, pastime. Just to <laughs> send out jokes and somebody would tweet something stupid and you could just retweet it without comment and people would go, oh, do you, you see how fucking stupid this is? <laughs> yeah. Jen Curtin would always just retweet like Kim Kardashian as if there was a... And everyone understood the unspoken... Uh, right. But now there is no... Like, the fate of the Republic... Hinges on fucking Twitter. Yeah. Like, how did that would be like? Imagine if like the outcome of the Watergate trial depended on how good you were at light bright. Like, <laughs> no, wait a minute. This is just to spend time. No, man. Nixon's the best light brighter. He makes all these, you know. And it's so fucking. It, it's really, really sad. In fact, and 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 it was. And I talked about this with um, um. Oh God, whose podcast was it? I'm blanking on her name, but Kath. No, no. Uh, um, it I'm was guessing. No, it was um, not Kath. No, no, Kath was just really, that was a really fun one. This was more, because I came to a real reckoning with a lot of my, and again, I was always, I was always kind of dabbling in the, and not as good as Sarah did it, not as good as like um, uh, David Cross could do it and people like that, but the, you know, using ironic racism, using, you know, my whole thing was I'm going to, I'm going to embrace what the enemy is doing until I have a stranglehold on it. I show how ridiculous it is. Uh And I was so slow in seeing that that wasn't working anymore. Yeah. And there were a lot of people that rightfully were pointing out, dude, what you're, that's fucking, that's just fucking homophobic. I know what you're trying to do, but you're doing it so badly right now. And you, you have not sensed that the climate has changed. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the fact there was a time, I remember this very specifically, and I'm so grateful for you guys for doing this, but I was reading. I used to go read um, 
uh, what the fuck is it called? Tack Talkie Mag. If you wanted to see the worst takes for the most psychotic people, go to, to Tacky Mag or Talkie okay. or Tacky. And I would read Derby Shire and all these fucking people. And, and there was a Steve Saylor quote that was so, it was, um, um, what is it? Um, so political correctness is a war on noticing or something like that, which is his way of this clumsy racist way of grandfathering in his racism. Right. But trying to make it sound very Oscar Wildean. Right. Because again, they had completely. So I tweeted out that quote with that same intention of like, can you, <laughs> like, not thinking that people would go. But then. You guys called me out on it, which was which was fine. I'm like, oh shit, I I'm really. That's when I realized time changed. But what was horrifying was all of the fucking alt right Pepe's grabbed on and going, yes, Patton gets that. it. I'm like, oh god, no, 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 no. And then I had to go. <laughs> no, I was showing. I was tweeting that to go. Can you fucking believe how stupid this? But but I I was so slow in seeing that the atmosphere had changed. That like in other words. Howard Stern used to have on Daniel Carver from the KKK yes. to show how fucking stupid this guy is. Right. Remember when he made him rank all the races so he puts like yeah. Eskimos at the top? Like, <laughs> it literally made racism look so pathetic. Right. But now, and and, and I'm not, I'm, Stern didn't realize at the time, but, but if he did that now, it would increase Daniel Carver's yeah. Yeah. reach and power. People would find out and, about and it. They would, and they would go, oh, you know what? Okay, so... And, and and it really bothered me that I was so slow in seeing that that shift had happened. And it really, really bothered me for a long time. They're like, yeah. am I just so fucking cocooned in my meta, meta, meta 90s irony that I can't fucking see it? Mm. And that was a really scary thing for me. Yeah, I think we, we keep, got, I think the same thing. We keep saying, like, <clears throat> eventually we're going to be outmoded. <laughs> like, we're about five or ten years away from someone telling us that we're canceled for something that we've been doing this whole time. <laughs> yeah. You no, know? It's, that's what not, I think, not too. To, not to be, like, against it, but you're right. It's just that um, I think that there was a lot of comedians that became babies about it. And that didn't Oh, see I as, did, too. It didn't, it didn't see it as, like, a challenge. Or, it also, it, I, I immediately, I got so defensive and babyish about it and go ahead and, finish, and I'll finish my thought but, but go ahead and finish your I think story it, it, like, it, it just opens up a new arena for jokes it's new areas to joke about yes. stuff like you, you know you can joke about trigger warnings ironically and people don't mind because they know that you respect them in all right. other cases or whatever you can yeah. joke about um, you know what, what what's going on but uh but you do have to pay attention because you need the audience the audience is the other half of the conversation <laughs> but you, you also know? have to go who am I hurting? And even worse, yeah. who am I helping right now? Yeah. Am I giving ammunition to the wrong fucking people? That's and true. and that was that was not a consideration ten years ago. And everyone that's like, you couldn't fucking make Blazing Saddles today. Well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't want a want to make <laughs> Blazing Saddles. You should want to do the next fucking thing, right? The next level of it. But also, shit has fucking changed. It's not. It's. I'm sorry to say this. It's just not fun and games anymore. Yeah. There are really dangerous fucking people that have co-opted the meta post-ironic attitude for some really fucking evil ends. So if you're hanging on to that because you're the first person that found it, that's not good. Yeah. And I realized that when I was doing all that shit, I because I rewatched that um, documentary. Uh, about um, Lenny Bruce, the one that De Niro narrated. Uh -huh. And when Lenny... People keep forgetting, when Lenny Bruce first came up, all the established comedians were like, this is bullshit. <laughs> this is wrong. This is, you know, we talk about... Because he was... As much as he was doing 
politically incorrect stuff, he was also saying, going up and talking about your fucking mother-in-law and doing, like, standard race shtick is, is lame. I, I want to do the next thing. And they're yeah. like, what the fuck is wrong with what I'm doing? You know, and I realized, oh, my God, I was like all those old vaudeville assholes <laughs> yelling about Lindy Bruce. When people are yelling about Lindy West and, you know, all these progressive they are the people that were just as angry at Lenny Bruce. And, and weird enough, they bring up Lenny Bruce as their defense. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you're you're evoking a comedian from the early fucking 60s yeah. right, to defend what you're doing now. You right. shouldn't be fucking doing that. <laughs> I mean, I was always, like, and one of the things that sure. shocked me a lot about, like, kind of 2008 to, like, 2011 when, when there was all this talk about political correctness and comedy and yeah. stuff, one of the things that shocked me was, like, I always felt like the... So, like, a guy like Jim Norton mm-hmm. goes on stage, and he's, like, trying to get people mad. I, he, that's his goal. His right. show is called Please Offend Me, <laughs> or Please Be Offended. And right. then when people are offended, then it's like, oh, everybody's a bunch of fucking babies, and I can't say what I want right, to say anymore. Right. And it's like, but, dude, you did say what you wanted to say. You said yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, like, yeah. It's not like it's unimpeachable. Nobody's allowed to say anything to you yeah. about it. And, like... That was one of the things that that weirded me out, like in the, in the early days of Street Fight. That kind of I weirdly like turned on comedy, and then was like, ah, you know, man, maybe this like eh, like that. And then we went right. ultra sincere, and then I kind of felt like once. I mean, once the Chapo guys hit, we sort of changed the show anyway to be a mm-hmm. lot more granular about everyday <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, our show's more about like what it's like to like actually live. It's like a document. I see it as like sort of a document to how people are really living because it's something I never really saw. You know, day to day to day living, but it, but but how do you live day to day as a progressive? How do you, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really good friends with Boots Riley, and he told me this really funny story about, um, you know, he had that he did that song. Boots Riley is this um, if people who what the fuck am I? Our fans. Anyone, <laughs> anyone who's listening to this show knows who Boots Riley is. <laughs> But what I love about Boots is he is a he is an extreme, he's a, he's openly a communist. He's oh, yeah. not even he's like a communist, and he wants a fucking revolution. He wants a flat out revolution, and he but he cannot help writing the catchiest goddamn hit mm-hmm. song. Like oh, yeah. he's just and and when and his first album he goes, I want to do this really cerebral backpack rap where it's just and and he couldn't help writing the catchiest fucking song. And like all of a sudden, so you know that song, the Magic Clap, uh-huh. which is just this wonderfully catchy tune and he has a message board where he is very open talking to his fans about you know here's what I'm working on he's doing a million projects and Taco Bell contacted him and wanted to purchase the Magic Clap for a ad campaign okay and they even sent him a mock-up of how they were going to do the ads because they look because it's one of the catchiest goddamn songs even though it's about burning down society yeah and um so and they offered him Let's say they are. I'm, I'm not going to say the amount of money, but they offered him a, a very nice amount of money. But he went on his message board and said, I'm very, very conflicted because, you know, here's the amount of money. And he was open on Here's what they're offering me. Yeah. Um, with this money, I could do this. I could fund this art project. I could fund this education program. However, it is Taco Bell. And so, how do I, you know, what are their worker practices? Did they, you know, and all of his fans went berserk. Not because he was considering selling out, but because you're not asking for enough money. Get more fucking money out of these asses. Like, like, do you know how much they're worth? They are fucking lowballing you. You ask them for three times that amount, and then you put that. So that, like, it's interesting what people, you know, if you're very open with your fans about what you're doing and what I want to do with the money, it's not so much that 
are you there, there's a difference between selling out and cashing in, mm-hmm. you know. So if, if you're, yeah, I'll take money to do this thing if I can then put the. I mean, look, I stayed on the. People are like, if you were a real revolutionary, you would have quit King of Queens after one fucking <laughs> season. Well, a King of Queens was a really fun show to do and really funny, and nine seasons of that show financed me putting together the Communist Comedy. If I had, I couldn't have done the Communist right. Comedy. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, I mean, we we get sort of the same in that, like, I think that, like, I don't know what the thing that happens here where if we do get a mainstream sort of deal, Mm -hmm. like, I don't even know what that looks like at this point. What we, we, no one does. It looks different (laughs) for every fucking person. And so you don't know what it will look like. And then you don't know what you're, what you'll be forced to consider when and if it happens. Yeah. But if you're, at least you're open about it, like, okay, here's the thing. Here's, and obviously, there's nothing wrong with making your life comfortable. You need to yeah. have some self-care. Yes. Yeah. You know, Noam Chomsky's like, does it help anyone if I don't have a car to drive around in? <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. We're like, you should sell your fucking car, man. And just, no, I'm not going to, no, I'm going to yeah. drive around in a nice car. Your guys are out of your fucking minds. But, you know, just be open to that and then go how will I use that money yeah we've done we we did a video recently about capitalism for Means TV where it's uh-huh. me and him standing in a I white room in yeah. flannels and pant- jeans I, I saw it it was a great video <laughs> and th- why I do got, bosses suck <laughs> <laughs> I got so many conservatives say oh you hate capitalism so much but you have a flannel and I'm like okay <laughs> come on man. you can get different colors of flannel without capitalism <laughs> I was like, God, am I not allowed to have, like, anything if I don't like capitalism? Well, because they're so afraid of that that they are like, if again, they want to make it impossible. We've, we've got to get over that hump immediately, all these people. And that's why I love, like, um, Alexandra Octavio is so open about, like, no, I'm going to buy some nice stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying do it with capital. I'm like, why don't we improve it? Yeah. Because capital, there's nothing wrong with capitalism per se. It's fallen into the hands. There was nothing wrong with Communism, per se, unfortunately, it fell into the hands of a psychopath like Stalin. Yeah, right. You there's know, no, I there's mean, nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with America. Is an amazing country. Unfortunately, right now, it is in the hands of a fucking asshole. Yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with guns, but there is something wrong if they fall into the hands of the the two Columbine douchebags. Yeah. And that's why we. Get, I mean, we get the. Uh, obviously, we get to skate around it by calling ourselves anarchists and just saying, like, look, you know, I just don't think anybody should have power. Like, I, and I do think that, that that's like the end. Like, so we think very utopian, I think. Um, actually, but we yeah, spend but the, okay. a ton of time in real life. But I think we think super utopian and like, if there's a way to organize this thing that's flat where everybody is a part of the decision-making process, I truly hope that happens. But it seems mm, impossible. I think it is impossible, and I don't want to sound elitist or or, um, exclusionary, but every, you know, the the Tea Party, which was made up of these fucking, you know, racist douchebags, still had enough sense to go, but we got to get into fucking Congress and get some goddamn power. And Occupy Wall Street, which I could not have agreed with more, fucking shot themselves in the foot going we're not going to have any fucking leaders and we're not going to work <laughs> in the system no, guys work in the fucking system and change shit we okay? came up around stop them. with the fucking human megaphone stuff and <laughs> actually organize some stuff because it's not 
I know that everyone harkens back to the kibbutz. Yes, that was great, but it was because it was a limited number of people. Things have fucking changed. Again, I was willing to look at, hey, all of my um, anti-PC stuff was good up to a point, and then you got to fucking evolve or die. Yeah. So let's evolve so we don't fucking die. Yeah, well, I we think, look, I think Wall Street was actually a positive in, the, in that people too, got to go do the, the tantrum. People got to go do the whole thing. And then, you know, the, those folks did move on to do other stuff. Um, it didn't obviously wasn't going to achieve its goals with what it was planning to do. But it was, I think, as like the first shot in the war that was coming years later. Yeah. It was a big indication of how radical people but were willing it, to but get. But it just seems all so scattered right now. Yeah. Like if anything, the, yeah. not, not to quote Yates, but the, the worst are, are full of purpose and, and the yeah. best are just... You know, there's no focus right now, and and I don't know where we're going to get that. But you know that th- we have to get over the, we just have to ignore the um, uh, conservatives or not even conservatives. These these aren't even conservatives. These are um, these are rampant post capitalists going. Oh, you're socialist, but you own more than two shirts. You can't. And, and people literally trying to answer that. We just have to fucking ignore that because yeah. it makes no goddamn sense. It, yeah. You know, you treat them. You know what they should treat them like? Treat them like. The fucking um, lo- the 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 Quincy punk rock episode where Quincy's like punk rock. Everyone that listens to punk's just gonna murder each other. That's what all the like. <laughs> just fucking ignore Jack Klugman and go do you know go yeah. do some music. Yeah, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean. We, I mean, we, I, I think that like what ha- I, what ended up happening, I think was was Occupy Wall Street. I think did lead. To Obama, which wasn't a hundred percent positive, but it was something. We've also got to get rid of the one hundred percent. There's no fucking purity. Just get as close as you fucking can. Well, I think they're doing that now. I okay, think, I think, I, I think so. a thing like Bernie Sanders or like the like the shit that the DSA is doing or AOC and things yeah. like that are getting closer than yeah, but I guess would what? ever have I So I want Bernie to get the nomination. If he doesn't, I will vote for whoever they fucking nominate. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, I mean, that's... I, I, I forgot who tweeted this, but it was like, the options are... Um, uh, what was it? Uh, what do you want for dinner? Uh, Mexican or, or Chinese? I want Chinese food. Well, the options are Mexican or getting your foot cut off. <laughs> Mexican food it is. Like, that's... God damn it! Yeah, Sorry. I mean, I can't not vote this time because my wife and daughter will fucking kill me. I could not have been more behind Bernie, but when he didn't get the nomination, I fucking got behind Clinton, and I'm, I'm, I know your listeners are going to be pissed to hear that, but <laughs> be, the reason that I got behind Clinton was because I did a lot of reading on Trump and who he was surrounding himself with and went, oh my fucking God! And all you have to do is read... The Fifth Extinction by Michael Lewis and go, whoever they fucking nominate, get behind them. It felt like, it did feel like such an impossibility that Trump would get elected. And I'm like, here. I I know. At the time. Felt impossible to me too, but still. (laughs) At the time, I guess I was reading like a lot of, I was online and we had gone I've said this before, but we had gone to both conventions, and when I look back on it, now I went yeah. to both. We did went. you cover them? Like, were you yeah. there? Like, oh my god! I was in Cleveland with Matt Chrisman from Chapo Trap yeah, House, yeah, yeah. and I then all of us, us and Chapo and a few other people, went to Philly and did, and we're like there for that, and like I should have. 
I should have seen that when I was in Cleveland, there was real enthusiasm and people were freaking out and they were partying. It looked mm-hmm. like like fucking conservative Mardi Gras, which yeah. is sad. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still everybody's like wearing Friends of Coal shirts and like <laughs> American flag hats and dancing in the streets. And like the 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 Democratic convention looked like like a it was somber. It was like yeah. a funeral. And like it was like they I can't like give I can't without saying that the Democrats sort of strangled a movement in that 2016 like they strangled the hope out of a bunch of people. Yes, they did. And like I can't the way, like not yes, blame they them did. for that. I'm not blaming them. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not yeah. blaming no. Bernie or anyone for that. But I'm saying there was a there was something coming that we just either could not see or we couldn't imagine. This and I'm rereading William Schur's Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, and I know there was like, oh great, a fucking Hitler analogy. <laughs> but god damn, the parallels are blatant where everyone was like, Oh yeah, this there there's a I don't know if there's a show I don't know if you guys have seen on Netflix called Um uh, Babylon Berlin about mm, I have um, not watched that uh, Berlin before the rise of Hitler, right before, you know, as Hitler's coming and there's a very chilling scene where you're like, Well, there's gonna be a lot of Hitler's only mentioned once in the entire all the episodes, and all it is is a couple of young guys, and some of them, one of them says some quote about, like, society, and then someone goes, oh, yeah, who's that, Hitler? And they go, oh, no, it's this other guy. And you realize there were a bunch of fucking Looney Tunes mm-hmm. in beer halls and and, and uh, corners yelling and screaming. And these two are, these are, like, young right-wing, like, Proud Boy-style youths. They're like, which one is that again? Like, yeah. no one saw it coming, even the people that would have benefited from it. Right. No one fucking saw yeah. it coming until I mean, it was too late. It was hard to see it coming. It felt like it felt like an impossibility. And yeah. like in the 2011 election, in the 2012 election, I, I, I like kind of watched that thing through the through the lens of like journalists, and they ended up being right. Like they ended up right. being right that Obama was going to win and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So like in 2016, I think like I trusted them more. Cause I've oh, because you had, had that authoritative. Well, I just I saw them proved right. Yeah. So now I can relax and just go. Oh, I mean, because uh, Chapo had hit in like 2006. Here's the thing that Chapo did for me that that like somebody needed to do a long time ago was that they took these guys that are uh, that are like talking about politics and mm-hmm. that seem like authorities that we're all supposed to respect mm-hmm. and they kind of took the magic away from those guys and they kind of right. like uh yeah it made was kind of a necessary thing yeah and we, i feel like until 2016 like i didn't feel like my opinion like mattered as much right. as those guys or that my experience didn't matter but now after doing this show for for the last since 2016 and, and doing our call in show where we have people call in and talk about their jobs, talk about right, job right. searches and talk about like what their real life is like. It's become very easy for me to kind of look and be like, okay, so this is why people aren't like engaged in the political process. They, people feel very helpless going to work and like being taken advantage of and not making very much money and they're working like 50 hours a week and getting screamed at by some psycho small businessman and then the Democrats go on stage and they're like we need to help small business and it's like shit no there there is a there is a huge ingrained hopelessness that you know that people were not addressing and you know Chapo 
did address it, and they, and I wish they had done that earlier. And I blame Chapo for Trump winning. By the way, they should have <laughs> done their show way earlier. I, I lay Trump solely on their shoulders, and and Felix and Chris and uh, Matt and, and and all of you. I hope you're listening. It, it is on you. It's on. It's on Will. Yep. It's on Amber. Yep. All of them. And I think you guys can agree with me, right? That's absolutely yeah, true. So I mean, I'm um, blaming them. But, but no, there is this. And again, if if you reread the Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, there was this. There was the huge working class that was it wasn't so much they were being exploited it was that there would then became a a mechanism was put in place to for to to coerce them into celebrating their exploitation so you see these you know uber giving a fucking award to a woman that went into labor one of their drivers and picked up two more fares and and um people movies like driver x where there's literally a narrative fictional film that I, I Chapo's coming to LA and man I want to screen that for them and then do an episode about it where basically it's a movie where someone has to take an extra job driving for an Uber company and it actually helps their them work their life out so like talking to their passengers it's a, it's a fucking propaganda film <laughs> yeah. well, we work can... is good you know this weird so well, that I, I'm seeing that that is very very eerie right now that's to see that. closer to your beginning of the show though when you were talking about what goes on in the cornfields of Ohio and out there is that I think those people don't feel like they're the victims of like fentanyl or anything like that I feel that they are proud strong survivors that don't want to let in and let anybody in. You know, Brian and I, when we started the show, a big part of it being steeped and grown in that culture is that we would talk, I would talk about like, I went to the payday advance place on Friday. You know, I had to write a check over because I don't have yeah. enough money to pay my fucking bills. Mm-hmm. And that's not a conversation that happens at all among, among like, you know, everyday folk around here. Right, right. Know? Well, one of the, we People just don't want to admit they're struggling. We just got, need help. But yeah, because it's a, it, it's this, it's this ingrained, um, uh, thing of you know you're proud you're strong you're self-sufficient but again that comes down to uh democrats and the dsa and all these people need to change the narrative change how they tell the story which is no one's helping you out we're giving you the room to be fucking stronger yeah you know what i mean like it'd be like someone going into a gym going i need to work out and someone's like well i need to strap 80 pound weights to your thighs yeah. and then people's like yeah you know what I'm not a pussy you do that yeah. and then they can only do like 10 minutes on the treadmill and they fucking collapse and go I'll fucking be stronger and someone going hey dude I want you to run two fucking hours on the treadmill yeah. let me just take the goddamn weights off your legs right, right. that's all I'm asking you to do so you know AOC is not saying you bunch of pussies you need us to help you're like no, I want you to, if you get sick and need to heal, I want you to do it with dignity and vigor, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and not have to depend on, there's no pride in having to work three fucking jobs no. for people that are openly laughing at you. Yeah. Right? You know, well, one of the things. And, and, are, and are tricking you into this bullshit of like, someday you'll have $10 million. So you, don't <laughs> want to, you don't want to pay that goddamn tax, right? That's fucking right, I will. By the way, <laughs> you lady. can live easily. That's the, that's the other myth that everyone thinks that, once once I get fifty mil, I'll be okay. You can live pretty easily on not like I mean I, I I'm doing okay in showbiz. I am nowhere near the top tier of earners in showbiz, and I live very fucking well because it doesn't take a lot to be goddamn happy. Right. But because they Instagram and Snapchat pictures of yachts and fleets of cars, people think, well, that's where I got to be. You actually don't, and you have and you have time of it, it's the Lucinda Williams lyric: you have cool, quiet, and time to think. That's what people mm-hmm. 
are entitled to. Yeah. And right. that was a lot of the I mean, a lot of also the stuff talking about having time to be bad kids and all of that was when I go and think back, it's like, wait, my dad was working four tens. That's probably why. Yeah, right. Both of my parents were working too. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, exactly. I'm a fucking stay at home dad podcaster. So I have a more time to coochie coo with my daughter right. and listen, you know, like she has such a slight voice. And I think that's because me and my wife will like literally get down on all fours and yeah. like, what was that you said? <laughs> yeah, that, that thing of like, you need to be grinding 24 yeah. seven is such a weird and weirdly enough, it was a, it was a thing that came out of, um, I think a lot of like hip hop and they weren't saying it out of pride. They were like, I have no other choice. Yeah. Yeah. But then that got adopted as the model for capitalism. Whereas a lot of these, if you listen to the entire um, album, rather than the one couple of hit singles, they're about, I'm doing this so that I can then have time to not do this yeah. and live like a human being. Yeah. That's and have time to not be crammed together with 80 other people struggling like a fucking rat king. Yeah. One of the things we do on the show a lot is people send us job job postings and like uh and like we like to examine most of what we talk about is like attitudes around work and what your everyday life is or like what your bank accounts like this show for the up until this year we did a bit where every time one of us overdrew our bank account, we pulled a cal. We said we're pulling the calendar back. The bank account <laughs> been overdrawn. It's been zero days, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we just got this one this week, and it's like I, I want to read it, and, and we can talk about how it must make people feel who were going out and applying for part time work. This is at Mo's Original Barbecue in okay. Fort Collins, Colorado. This is a part time job. And it says, think you should get a paycheck just for showing up? Were you born with an undeniable sense of entitlement? Do you feel like your emotions are more important than a job well done? Then you should probably take a hard pass at even thinking of giving us a resume. Like a resume (laughs) for a part-time job (laughs) at a barbecue restaurant, (laughs) first of all. It's it's so weird how... You know the thing about you know an, an, an uneducated electorate... Um, is is one that helps the, the evil people stay in power. But it seems like what the the powerful have learned is actually a 24-7 grinding electorate are the ones who do not have the mm-hmm. time yeah. to take five seconds or ten minutes to just meditate on, wait, what do I really need here? And if they keep dangling these visions of these crazy mansions and these insane trips, these billionaires doing these fucking nutball things that maybe someday you'll get there. If, because now if you notice all of the, um, the, the narrative is this girl was working on her business and she was 11. She wasn't out there playing with <laughs> friends or wasting her time at concert. She yeah. was every waking minute. It's like, that is a, hor- but a, Half of those stories are fucking bullshit. Sure. They were, it was inherited wealth. But the other half, if, even if they're not bullshit, and that is what that person's doing, that's not a way to live your fucking life. No, no. You should be. That's why all these people, um, I think the reaction to AOC dancing around on a roof with her friends, it wasn't that they were like, you know, oh, they weren't, they weren't John Lithgow and Footloose. They were like, how dare you put out a narrative that your teen years can be spent just fucking around yeah. with because which by the way that's what you're supposed to be doing yeah. in your teen and 20 you're supposed to be just fucking around and figure out and, and but you know the people like the ben shapiro's are like no you need to be yeah. glaring resentfully from the sidelines of the keg party slash dance slash <laughs> um you know 
uh, camping trip slash concert going, I will get my fuck. I'm going to do the extra work and I will crush these motherfuckers. Like, th- we are, it's like we are becoming this... Um, we're not celebrating the entrepreneur. We are celebrating the resentful. Yeah. We are yeah. celebrating the people that are just sitting there plotting in the darkness. And well, a lot of the- we, we got a picture. And, like, you know, there is entrepreneurs that are doing their own thing, and they live for it, and they were born and bred for it. Yeah. And then we've taken it. But they're doing it, it with. Go ahead. But they, we've taken it and applied it to everything now. Yes. We, we, someone <laughs> sent us a picture from, a, like, a Wendy's drive through where someone hung up a picture that said, be humble and hustle. And it's like, <laughs> hustling isn't going to get me extra, that any, is, extra anything at this fucking that job. Is, that is literally... They don't even give you a That is name. literally they live. Those yeah. are the signs and they live. It is. Be yeah. humble well, and they hustle. Took the, they took the uh, cover-up off. They just say the... the no, under, they're saying this quiet part loud. Yeah, it's also By the way, look, messaging, like, up from, from the age of 19 on, it was all stand-up for me. That's all I wanted to do. But it wasn't me... Losing fucking sleep and grinding myself to a nub. It was, I was up until that point, I was grinding myself to a nub, mm-hmm. working as a DJ and a sports writer and a paralegal and a temp and just doing every fucking thing I could to make whatever money I could. And then I found stand up, which I devoted my life to at that point, where I was making no money, but I loved doing yeah. it so much right. that that's all I fucking cared about. And then, so it was a joyful grind. Right. Because the grind part was hanging out with people that I loved and thinking up stuff. And it was like, I remember there was a friend of mine who was this really amazing artist and he kind of put it aside for a lot of reasons. You know, he, he was raised in a very chaotic environment where his parents were kind of fucked up, but he was an amazing artist. And I think he, he kind of rebelled against the chaos and bohemian life of his parents by going, I am committing to the nine to five. Mm-hmm. And he got a job and just committed to the nine to five. And then we watched this documentary called Comic Book Confidential. And there's early footage of like Spain and Robert Crumb um, drawing when they're doing their like staple together underground comic. They would like sell out of a shopping cart yeah. on Hate Street. And my friend was like, like, the look on Robert Crumb's face, he's so at peace right now. And it was, he realized that he had like, you know, he, he couldn't, and I didn't want to like call him on it, but he couldn't articulate that like, oh, that's what I just threw away. Yeah. It's just that I'm, he, he literally has, I have no money. I don't know how, but this is what I want to be doing. Yeah. And if you read like Patty Smith's Just Kids, and she talks about her and Robert Mablethorpe going, okay, we either pay for the grilled cheese sandwiches at this diner and go shoplift art supplies. Or we dine and dash, and we buy art supplies. Which one do we do? Right. You know, and that's a but that's a joyful. Like they're not grinding away. You know, it's it's almost like do not have any kind of fucking artistic aspirations. Turn your car into a taxi. Turn your house into a fucking hotel. <laughs> yeah. And just pay the goddamn bills until you die. That's yeah, what this it feels like, like. STEM is going to save us, or STEM is best. All of that. I uh, have. I talk to people all the time. They're like, you know, you should get your daughter in one of those STEM programs or whatever it is. And I'm like. I'm like, why is that? And I'm like, well, if people say that. And I'm like, well, people said everyone should go to college. And yes. then now, then now <laughs> so, everybody yeah. I know is like working for $11 an hour and paying $600 a right. month. Yeah. I drove Lyft. I drove Lyft like all of 2016 and half of 2017 while wow. doing this show and going on tour. Really? Yeah. Because you had to. Yeah. Well, I had gotten a job. I went to college in my when I was 32 mm-hmm. and then graduated at 38. And then, uh, well, no, at 36. And then I, I got a, 
I'm fun. sorry, my mind. I just I, I just went into movie trailer mode. I heard the record scratch, and then <laughs> Green Day's American Idiot. <laughs> this guy's going back to college at 32. It was a well. Here's the thing, though. If I had gone to college when I was 18, I would have like oh yeah, been really been, right been yeah, bad yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because I like I worked. That's the thing is like I can see the difference now because I did work. I was a cable guy for seven years, mm-hmm. and I got robbed. And I hurt, I broke my wrist. Jesus. And I was off for a year without, with pay. I was getting paid and I was yeah. off for a year and I was getting my regular wage. Fuck, dude. And I taught myself how to smoke meat. <laughs> I taught myself how to cook. I saw every movie that came out in that year and I just, I felt really great. And then I did college and that was very oh, I I did sociology. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was like really eye opening to mm-hmm. me. And then we this thing hit the year after I got out of college. So right. it was like, well, I'll just work these minimum wage jobs for a while. So I worked uh, at a diner that's right over there where I ended up uh, <laughs> throwing salad, throwing a thing full of salad dressing at the owner of the place, <laughs> telling him to fuck off. And then wow. I worked at a camera store where um, I said, hey, uh, I'd like to make $9 an hour. And they were like, what about eight fifty? <laughs> <laughs> so I made eight fifty, and then I did Done. Lyft. And uh, but those days, that those jobs, when I was driving for Lyft and touring and doing all this stuff, like that was fucking fine with me. I was right. totally okay. I felt like this thing would. I, I felt like I had still something. had a creative outlet. In there. Yeah, there yeah. are people. In other words, they don't want you having that. There yeah, is yeah. a thing of like people should just be fucking working. And then they will buy the content that they get or stuff that they buy off of us. And everything that's ever been great in society came from people who had time to fuck around and mm-hmm. daydream a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And we're take if we take that away, that's the end of society. That that'll that'll end society quicker than global warming, which is gonna end it pretty fucking quickly. <laughs> um and uh and this rise of just openly this rise of white nationalism that everyone is just kind of shrugging their shoulders at. Yeah, it is. Which I cannot believe this is fucking happening. What's like that, I, that we've both sided white supremacy. How are we here? Yeah. How I is mean, this fucking happening? I think people are genuinely miserable. Like in yes. those years that I was in the cable company, I was yeah. like waking up every morning and throwing up in the bushes and having panic attacks <laughs> every day. Damn. And I thought I was fucking weird. I was like, well, there's, I, you know what, man? Maybe I'm just a weird guy. No, you were aware of what's going up. on. Yeah. And you then, knew that you knew the thinness of the ice you were standing on and you were right to be panicking and throwing and up. And when I got out, but when I got out of it and we started taking calls and people started sending us emails, they were doing it too. Right. <laughs> and it was just like, is yeah. everybody feel like they're, does every single person feel like they're on a razor's edge and if that's true because some people are going to come up with the wrong solution to living on a razor's edge and some people because some people are going to want i want like everybody to take power back from their bosses or from from the people that are oppressing them but some people are going to think that more oppression is needed it's like we see people dying of like fentanyl overdoses here yeah and the response generally in local news comments is we should give drug dealers the death penalty. And you're like, that's the wrong solution to this. Pause just for a second. I need to pee. I want to come back and okay. key off something cool, you said. I just cool. need to pee really quick. Sure. If you guys see you restroom, there's one right there. Yeah. In Willamette Valley, way to go, Oregon.
wine. Nathan yeah. is a wine expert. If there's that one thing true. we know about that guy down there, yeah. he drinks a lot of wine. The biggest goddamn wine snob I know is Scott Ian from Anthrax. Because <laughs> he, he travels the world, and he's a big foodie, so he goes to all these restaurants, and he knows fucking wine. And... And so I've, I go to dinner with him, and it's a guy. He's got sleeve tattoos. He's got that goddamn goatee <laughs> down to his dick, and he's just going. I, this Barolo is way too big for the veal. I need to send it back. I bring the Nebbiolo that I asked you to bring because oh, so you're like, what the? F-? And the waiter's like, fuck, he's right. Like it's this weird. Wow, it's the last guy you think would know everything about wine, and he really does. <laughs> God, didn't we used to like? I used to bring up Scott Ian on the show, all, on the old show, Scott's all awesome. the time, because he was always on. He was like, like, I love the 80s and stuff yeah. like that. And I would he's always a funny guy. I mean, he, he's got a good sense of humor about shit, and he, he's seen some shit. So he has like a, oh, okay, yeah, this oh, is yeah. how, you know. Yeah. I mean, when you want to, we can actually just go back in and. Let's hop back in and we'll talk about it. Go for it, go for it. Yeah, okay. yeah. So. We'll start the recording. It's yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> go ahead. I partially disagree with you on the wanting people to take back power. Obviously, yes, I'd like more power back to the general population but maybe 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 what we need right now more than power back to the people first is we need someone in power to rethink what power is we need an evolution from the power elite the way that we had with fdr who was this guy born into power born into wealth who rethought what his position was and what it meant and what the responsibilities of that meant and go, well, how do what how does power benefit the general population? And then if we're talking on totally greedy, non-altruistic terms, that 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 then feeds back into the structure and makes everyone happy. You know, it, it, it's the thing about how, you know, if you really if you truly are a corporatist, you would want free health care. You would want, you know, maternity leave because it just makes you more money down yeah. the road. Mm-hmm. Like think of it that way. It's all this short term thinking. It, it really bothers me that our country can't even think about health care and elderly care the way that the shittiest small-time gangster in, like, just some neighborhood gangster that controls literally eight blocks. But he's like, in my eight blocks, some old lady, her heat gets cut off, we, that fucking gets turned back <laughs> yeah. on the same goddamn day. If we see someone fucking abusing some, we fucking, like, they, it's that kind of thing. Like, why isn't America, why aren't we acting like a tiny neighborhood Boston gangster <laughs> where we're bragging, like, fucking inside America, someone gets sick, Boom, they're immediately yeah. take, like no one that we don't even fucking wait. Like, and that's how like that's what we should be swelling our chest up about to the other countries. Yeah. How many sick people you got, asshole? We got zero. We got fucking zero. <laughs> and if someone is sick, we get a fucking ramp, they get their wheelchair up there. If someone gets cancer, boom, they get their treatments. That's what the fuck we do. Like, if you really want to be a fucking alpha, that's if we could somehow, if someone in power could reintroduce that that attitude, that would be amazing. Yeah, I think. Could you imagine? Like, go back and if I had a time machine, I would go back in time and I would trick Fred Trump into encouraging Donald, or I would talk Donald into rebelling against his shithead father (laughs) and becoming the same fucking big, you know, uh, chest bumping alpha douchebag he is, but for progressive causes. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine if we had that? Yeah. That like like a Tony Soprano, but for progressive stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I also though. Excuse me, are you, are you uh, 
Did you just dump some shit in our fucking river? <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it seems to me that you were uh, fucking polluting. All right. Well, come over here. Talk to uh, talk to my friend Polly Walnuts. So, like, like treat the earth, treat the earth like you're eight blocks in Boston that you're yep. running. Like, hey, you do not fuck with this planet. Yeah, I mean, I you think me I mean? and Brett. I think because of our beat, I guess, sort of that yeah. we look at things like so much smaller in that like. We got. We're both guys that are really disenchanted with that. With I DC, think like everyone is now. No, yeah, 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 we yeah, have yeah. been since like 2011. We've been like, I'm disenchanted. I don't feel like I basically. Well, that's how went, the country was when FDR got in. They were everyone was like, "Fuck these people," and that's what he ran on. But we're not doing that right now. I went. Go I ahead. went anarchist uh, in 2009 when I realized that Barack Obama wasn't going to close Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I was like, oh, "Fuck this!" And Brett was even in my ear saying, "Like, well, you got to give him a little bit of time." And then within a year, Brett's like, "I think I'm an anarchist." Yeah. <laughs> but, and, but like I, wish, I think about it like I want to I try to figure out ways to concrete concretely change people's lives to make them more comfortable yes so then in the end they have time to do the same sort of research that me and Brett have done yes. and then move forward so we've talked in the past if we make a bunch of money one of our goals is to open up a garage in Columbus that poor, like that people can volunteer to fix people's cars for That's no money great. because we have been broke many times. And when your car breaks down, you are fucked. It is the yes. most fucked you can ever possibly be. But keep, keep that small city gangster attitude towards progressive. That's a really like, hey, if your car breaks and if your car breaks in <laughs> eight fucking blocks. You bring it here, we get it fixed in an hour. That's yeah. what we fucking do. Like, it's that bragging shit. And it's like we interviewed a guy named, uh, what, what's Garth's last name? I can't remember. Garth Mullins. So he is a, um, he is an opioid activist. He's a drug war activist. Yeah. And he was talking about safe injection sites mm -hmm. and uh, doing methadone clinics and things like that. He does yes. a podcast called The Crackdown that I can't recommend more. Ooh, it is incredible. Thank you. So something he's talking about trying to pull off now is with the Canadian government, he's trying to get them to let him and a co-op of people do a bulk order of heroin, medical grade heroin that Delighted. they delotted, that they will trade around with, that they will distribute to each other uh -huh. and do just what they want to do. And like uh, I said, you know, it's already hard enough in the United States to get safe injection sites. <laughs> like, it's impossible. Neighborhoods freak out, and they come and arrest people. And he was like, well, it was that way in Vancouver, too. Yep. Until we just started doing it. Mm -hmm. And they saw that there was success, so we just kept doing it. And for me, like, I look at something like that, and I'm like, I, I wish I had the guts to do the right thing for the people that I think yeah. need help. And and when I think about like fentanyl, you know, I was talking about the solution to a lot of people is like harsher laws. And for me, it's like, can we like just get people doses that are not going to fucking kill them? Exactly. Like, can we just do that? Yeah. Like, we are, we have start the ability. There. Yeah. If we start off with them not dying, then we can start with getting them off. Yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but that's not even the way we think in this world because no. it is so harsh. I think a there's lot of no prevent. There's nothing preventative. Yeah. It is all either vengeful or it is, uh, um, it, it's, it's, um, what's the fucking word I want to, 
palliative. I, I know I'm saying it wrong, but it's we wait for the problem to rear its head and yeah. then we fix it. But there's no like, hang on, maybe we should, you know. Yeah, because it's always been done. And, and like, I think a lot about uh, just being able to, to, to get people at their job, right? Like at, at a job, we can always say like, oh, we need a union, right? Every job needs a union. Yeah. Okay. But then <laughs> some jobs are not going to get a union, but they could we have seen in our time just doing this, we have seen success with people agitating to get a guy hired that got fired unfairly. Oh, wow. We've seen success with people agitating for a fan in a kitchen and, and things like that. And it's like if people start to realize that their labor is power. Oh, yeah. And that they can that's withhold mean, that power. Yes. We will win. And that's yeah. what my goal is. Well, is that, to win. That, that made me very, very, uh, uh, I was very, very optimistic and hopeful when they did the, uh, the first time he did the immigration ban and people uh, blockaded the airports. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you do that and people pay attention very fucking quickly in this country. <laughs> yeah. And when they saw that that labor is going to, you know, go away and then we, that was, so that was hopeful. So, but again, let's focus on that and get that, you know, th there was a great chapel episode a few weeks ago. So you want to start a union, uh, the guy that, that unionized anchor steam uh -huh. in San Francisco. Oh, great. How yeah. Do you do it? Yeah. I have them on all the How time do do too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do so, a regular show. With yeah. <laughs> but again, it, and it's, again, you're not becoming communist. You're not, Becoming lazy. It's just the, we just, I'm, it, you're still doing the same amount of labor, but then you get some fucking breathing room. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're not, it's not, it, it's not, you're doing the same labor, and then when you get sick, the company goes, well, just start a GoFundMe. Because mm -hmm. we're not doing it. You know, like that's, yeah. there's, insurance companies are literally telling people, no, start a GoFundMe. Yeah. Get your own fucking way. GoFundMe's should be, the fact that we have GoFundMe's should be so embarrassing for this country. And but people, they again, they've spun it so that in this grade, it's the that bootstrap. Yes. Pulling yourself. No, you're not fucking bootstrap. It's also not bootstrap. It's are you popular enough online? Yes, to exactly. Get your or can you get someone's cured. attention? It should not. That's not how it should fucking work. No. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, that's where this came from for me, was just being frustrated with growing up and looking at the conversations and reading books and being like, why aren't people talking? Why do we have such bad, like journalism and news and all of the, all of the American conversation is just away from any of those like big issues that are important and affect us all. Yeah. You know? Not being honest about, I think the, the worst thing we do in this country is not being honest about our financial situation. Right. I mean, that I think when really... people have money, they are, they tend to be more honest about it, but mm -hmm. I know you have been broke and we, I've been, I'm not broke and I make more than I ever have now. So, right. but like in those times when we're broke, we go to the bar with our friends, all of our friends are broke. None of our friends have money. We don't have money. And then we have $60 and they're like, let's go out to eat. And we're like, oh yeah, let's go out to eat. Yeah. And then we spend the last of our money and have to figure it out. We never talk to each other about our bank accounts. We never talk right. to each other about how much we get paid. And if people knew, because when you look at what wages are, statistically yeah. they're low. So if everybody right. knew what that everybody else has less, then they'd be like, oh, I don't feel so much like a failure because I have to ride the bus because exactly. I don't have a car. And then that, because we're just, 
our 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 discourse is so weird here. I mean, the the millennial Very thing. Very strange. I always think about the millennial thing, where it's like millennials to me seem like people who are standing up for themselves more than we ever did. Millennials are the only things that give me hope. Not <laughs> yeah. fucking, not Gen Xers, and especially not fucking Boomers. Talk about a heel turn for a generation. <laughs> the way that Boomers went, you know, yeah. the, the the most. Progressive, let's make things better. And now it's just they are prisoners guarding their food in the mess hall. <laughs> it is just arms in front of the tray. Nope, fuck you. Yeah, they they are saying millennials are lazy and entitled because millennials are asking for the things that they gave away. Yes, when exactly. They lost, and and you're. I'm watching. I'm 40. I'm not a millennial, and I sit and I. A lot of our listeners are, yeah. and the people I talk to, and I'm like, these people are strong, and yeah. they're, they're trying to take I'm, something back. Yeah, I mean, I'm worse. I'm a Gen Xer, which is the whole I had better act bored so that no one thinks I'm boring. <laughs> so it is even, whereas the boomers, as shitty as they are, they are in, they are actively engaged in evil. Whereas the Gen Xers, and I have to fight this all the time, are actively trying to act like I could give a fuck. I don't give yeah. a shit. Doesn't affect me. Whatever. And that, you know, and I know that's a weird look in my 50s being on Twitter and being outraged by a synagogue shooting or the president literally going, the doctors are trying to kill babies and, and, and inciting murder. Right. Um, but I, I, I'll, t- I'll take being uh, a caring too much uh, douchebag over uh, who cares? It's all bullshit. Brett just had to, I mean, when. Fucking when, drives me crazy. And, when, that, and that's an impulse I gotta fight all the fucking time. When people say that these things don't mean anything, Brett actually just told a story on the show this week. He escorts uh, mm-hmm. people at Planned Parenthood. Jesus Christ. And in Ohio. As bad as other, I, saw, I saw a video in Alabama that I was like, God damn, I don't even know if I could do that. <laughs> wow. And you're here in Columbus. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Columbus isn't Columbus. We have a fence and thankfully the bushes are growing in. So, but in Ohio, but, we just, they just passed a heartbeat bill. So no guys are showing up when he goes to do this. Guys are showing up and like getting bold. They're, they're like very yeah. bold and they're bragging and they're screaming at the doctors and saying, yeah. I know your name to the doctors. And it's like, so if you, if you can't see that all of this stuff is important, yeah. then, I mean, if you're just like, doesn't affect me. It's like, it does, though. It's the thing, the, 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 <laughs> shit that, the shit that, that Trump is doing is the ultimate Gen X shit, which is he's inciting violence by going, they're trying, but he's acting like, I mean, who knows what will happen, what I, I mean, yeah. I don't control <laughs> these guys, whatever. Like, trying to act like he's so goddamn above it all because he remembers Gen X coming up when he was getting older, so he's trying to forever cling to that bullshit, yeah. which is the most dangerous combination, mm-hmm. is that that fucking boomer mentality, uh, but with a Gen X attitude, where he's like, oh, who knows where all this racism's coming from? Yeah. Right? The marchers in yeah. Toronto, there are a lot of good people. I don't know where the synagogue shootings are coming <laughs> yeah. from. Who do I, yeah. I mean, what do I know? Whatever. Well, I that's think, what's so fucking dangerous. I think we did. I got to say my famous line. I think we did it here. I think Brad. we solved it, guys. I think we did it. Yeah. I think we did it, man. It's going to get better now. Thank yeah. you for being here. We really appreciate yeah. it. Is there any stuff that you need to get in here? That- uh, when will this drop? When will people Wednesday. be listening to this? Wednesday. Wednesday. Well, <laughs> if you're listening to this Wednesday, you can watch me on uh, Sci-Fi this evening uh, on Happy a okay. show that I'm on on Saturday called Happy. Okay. On Thursday, you can watch me on AP Bio on NBC, and on Saturday, you can watch, you can listen to me 
Oh my god, this is the weirdest plug ever on your show, probably. But I'm I'm doing a return visit on My Little Pony. Oh, no, this is not weird. His daughter loves it. Oh, really? <laughs> well, it's an episode with me, my wife Meredith Salinger, uh, and my daughter Alice is making her voiceover oh, debut. Whoa. So you might want to tune into that. Yes, She'll love it. How old's your daughter? She's six. Oh, okay. Definitely tune in. Yeah, yeah. she's into it. They're like her Ninja Turtles. That's how I think oh, about really? it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. For me, like, I, it's oh, like that's so sweet. Anthropomorphic All people right. and animals that I want to hang out with. When I told my daughter I was doing this, she was like, he's the Goldbergs guy. <laughs> so. Goldbergs. Oh, my God. I love she, doing that show so much. That show's real fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My family watches it. Like religiously, it's so good. I love how they take the that member berry shit of '80s nostalgia, where you're like, "Oh, they're just going to do this," but then they turn it into real human like feeling and failure, and then redemption. It's amazing it's how awesome. he does that. I yeah. like that too. It's like all the ugly wood paneling and the old bold prints. Ugh. It's like everything looks the same, but then the yes. people you realize, God, they were just like us. Like they, Very, they, yeah, you, exactly. You look at those old photos, like old pictures, you you just can't imagine them having the same personalities and spirits and all the. And they're just like us. It was the, the, same the episode shit. based on the movie The Wedding Singer, where, where they they Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, the movie The Wedding Singer, where the 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 episode. The episode takes place in parallel with what's going on in the movie The Wedding Singer. Yeah. But, because the thing they do on the show is at the end credits, they will show a videotape that Adam shot when he was a kid that matches up to a scene in the show. You're like, oh, that scene actually happened. Right. That episode, The Wedding Singer was, Wedding Singer episode has a scene with the the grandfather, which just feels like amazing comedy writing. And then you see at the end, it actually happened. It's one of the most Looney Tunes pieces of footage. Like, oh, this scene... Which I thought was the writers thinking yeah. the goofiest thing could happened. Not just not only did it happen, it happened word for and they and they run the scenes concurrent and it happened word for word. Wow, it's that amazing, is so awesome. Yeah, that that I get like anxiety thinking about that because my parents want to come to a live show now and I'm oh. like, they've never. <laughs> my dad was always like, well, you know, it's not, it's just some weird hobby. And now he's like, next time you're in Columbus, you should do a live show. So we're doing one here soon, and it is the whole show is about me lying to him and getting out of trouble. Wow. <laughs> so I'm like freaking oh out thinking God. about it. Okay. <laughs> that makes sure there yeah, you got your own personal Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he does it because like Brett did an interview very early on in Street Fight and the local in one of the local papers and he said his mom was a Denny's waitress when he was born as he said that she got mad at him and said I'm not a fucking Denny's waitress <laughs> and I was like oh God. shit that's gorgeous <laughs> yeah. wow well thanks for doing this Pat. Yeah, thanks man. for having so me on happy. and I really appreciate it yeah thank good. you yeah. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want more of what we do, head over to streetfightradio.com. There's lots of stuff to click on. And you can support the show. Well, uh, he was arrested and, for Facebook uh, posts. Get more the content over on Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash streetfightradio. Go check it out. There's free stuff on there, too. We'll see you on Sunday for the call-in show. Peace. Yeah. I see you looking at me like you tough. Really, I couldn't give two fucks. Northeast at home of the homicide where they do poop. Whole lot of blue round here, ayy. Not much to do round here. Police like to shoot round here. We ain't really cool round here. They came and got me with straps out. I was at work, not a trap house. Told me get down on the motherfucking ground and to shut the fuck up. I ain't making a sound. You should.
should've seen how my face look All over something on Facebook Because of a post, this shit is a joke I'm sitting in coke with a steak Look, this shit really is ridiculous They was trying to hit me with a 10 year sentence All over Some motherfucking memes Shit, in your motherfucking dreams I ain't got no time for that I ain't got no rhymes for that Man, everything they say is a motherfucking trap Like a prescription, I got an addiction to fucking the system. They do not listen, so I say we lynch Eat all the rich and abolish the prisons. Got no love for no government. I don't give a fuck who running it. Anarchy, I'm on some other shit. Hey, ACABB the covenant. Hey, seize all the means of production and take all their money. They living in luxury, yeah. I don't believe in democracy. All that I see is hypocrisy. A piece of paper don't make me free. That was wrote by men who use slavery to get everything that they fucking need. Oh, the irony, I'm just saying. And I'm supposed to trust the police when they kill us in the streets daily Protect and serve just some fucking words Go to irony and that saying Right to vote? What a fucking joke I already know where my money goes In their houses and in their boats And in their mouths so I'm at their throats This shit really is ridiculous They was trying to hit me with a 10 year sentence All over Some motherfucking memes Shit in your motherfucking dreams I ain't got no time for that I ain't got no rhymes for that Man, everything they say is a motherfucking trap I ain't got no time for that I ain't got no rhymes for that Just imagine I'm white What they would do if I was black They gon' get you cause the Now they asking about my clothes And they asking about my rap They gon' get you cause the Imagine I'm white, what they would do if I was black Picture that, it's a homicide, homicide Yeah, 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 yeah It's a motherfucking homicide, homicide Yeah, 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 yeah The FBI is actually showing up their doorstep saying we're investigating text messages, emails The National Security Agency contacted one veteran and said he read his emails so this is a national phenomenon. 